And we are learning, we are learning, we are learning. We are growing, we are growing, we are growing. And I'm declaring over you right now that after the next few months, you will not be able to silence that roar that he has given you. Hallelujah. Okay. So this, this week, love that. Just love that. That just sounds awesome. Thank you. That makes you want to move in the spirit. Right? Makes you want to move in the spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are a church on fire. We are listening. We are listening to the Lord. We are hearing what he has to say, and we are swimming in the river. Hallelujah. Okay, so this week, the Lord instructed me to teach on your holy calling. Your holy calling. You are good soldiers. You are good soldiers. You have been called with a holy calling. How many of you know that? How many of you agree with that? How many are you, of you are going to choose to do what it takes to walk in it? Amen. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 1.9 He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. That's 2 Timothy 1.9. Okay, so you are called to a holy life. You are called to a holy life. You are called for his purpose, his holy purpose. Nothing else. We're going to learn to let all the rest go. Remember last week we started talking about growing up in righteousness, training ourselves in righteousness? Let me just get it straight from the very beginning. Do we train ourselves in righteousness so that we can obey the law, so that we can come up, up, up under a bunch of rules and regulations? No, that's not why we train ourselves up in righteousness. We train ourselves up in righteousness because God first loved us and we love him. And it is our heart's cry to please him. Because in reality, in pleasing him, we get rid of the pain in our lives. We get rid of the dysfunction in our lives. We get rid of the chaos in our lives. We grow in purity, and it's just something that we just, just enjoy doing. We just love him so much. We, we understand his love poured out for us, and we just love him so much that we just want to please him and please him and please him more. And you know what? As we please him, as we look to what he chooses for us to do, all that junk just falls away. It's not even like a job anymore. Okay? So we're not getting under the law. We're not getting under legalism. We're not getting under a pharisaical spirit. 
We are walking in the love of the Lord. And when we walk in the love of the Lord, he purges everything that is hindering us because of his great love for us. And that's the time that you can reach out wherever we have crucified, wherever we have sought his purity in our lives, we can reach out with that purity to other people. And you become a river of living water, a river of life, healing for the nations, bearing fruit in every season, every day. And the Holy Spirit just flows through you because there's no hindrance there. You see, there's no dam, there's no blockage. And so we just flow in the power of the Holy Spirit and true supernatural revelation comes to us and through us. You see, when we understand the revelation of Jesus, when we seek him, seek him, seek him, not the gift, but the giver, as we seek him, the supernatural, which is his natural, cannot help but come forth. Do you want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Receive God's love, love God back. Do you want to walk into a room where the glory goes before you and demons flee? Love him. Receive his love. Give his love. You see? Do you want a bountiful harvest of every good thing in your life? Seek him and his righteousness. You see that? Love him. Let him love you. Know his love. Know how much he loves you. Don't allow a condemning spirit, but allow a convicting spirit. This is not legalism. This is love. All right. That was the preface, which I never really, never thought I was going to give. I never thought about that, but there you have it. Okay, 2 Timothy 1.9. He has called you to a holy life. In the Aramaic, he has given us life and has called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, okay? Not according to our works, but according to his will and the grace which has been given to us. You see, he gives you grace to walk in this calling. The grace has, this is in the Aramaic, that's why it's different up there. Which has been given to us in Yeshua the Messiah. In him and him alone, to him be all the glory. The Messiah, before the time of the world, he planned this. He planned you to walk in a holy calling by his grace. And now is revealed by the revelation of our life giver. Okay, that's the key. I'm in verse 10, actually. Revealed by the revelation of him, okay? So as we receive revelation of who Jesus really is, and that becomes real in our lives, it becomes bigger than anything else, we walk the way he walked. See that? And is now revealed by the revelation of our life giver, Yeshua the Messiah, who has destroyed death and has displayed life and indestructibility. 
by the gospel. So do you want to receive that life? I'm not talking about salvation, okay? I'm talking about the revelation of Jesus Christ, the, re- the revelation of his resurrection, power, dominion, authority, love, giving. It gives us life. It destroys death. It is indestructible. And so are you when you walk in it. You see that? So we must have the revelation of Christ. We must have the revelation of Christ in order to walk in his power, in his love, in his dominion, in his forgiveness, in his authority, in his fruit. Hallelujah. Our calling is revealed through Jesus. We look at him. Look at his calling. Look what he did. Do the same. (laughs) Okay, I can go now. I told you everything you need to know. So in other words, who he is in our lives and who we are through him. Okay? I am not going to give up until every single one of us understands this and is walking in divine power because he has called us to do that. Right here. Right here. Hallelujah. So it says, he who has destroyed death and displayed life and indestructibility by the gospel. 2 Timothy 1.10 in the NIV, our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So we cling to the gospel. So when we lead this holy life, which we are all called to lead, to lead when we lead this holy life in the love of God, big key, in the love of God, You are not to be a Bible thumper. You don't need to walk and hit somebody over the head with this. You need to love them with it. Okay. All right. So indestructibility, the destruction of death in every area of our lives where we have chosen to crucify our flesh. Okay, and just so you don't think that this is a difficult thing to do, I mean, well, I'm not saying not difficult at times, but just so you think that this is not, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but here's the deal. Do you think that Jesus was ever inconvenienced for you? Do you think that he ever, ever suffered anything on your behalf. Okay. Can you suffer that for another? Can you suffer that for another? In the end, it is not a suffering. In the end, it is a glory. It is a glory. It is pleasing to in the nostrils of your Father. It is pleasing in the heart of your Father. So, no no cost that he's asking you to make is really a cost. No cost is too big. He's going to bless you when you lay it down anyway. You're going to get so much blessing by laying it down. If he's requiring you to lay it down or, or make a change or think differently, you're going to be blessed and rewarded. So, 
This holy calling requires crucifixion of the flesh in every area, wherever he shows you. A life committed to Christ develops when we do this. You know, faith grows when we do this. Our faith grows because he'll, he will always come through. He'll never let you down. He will always get, he, this, this is a guaranteed word. So always, always, always you will benefit. So, what do we have to crucify? Well, what are some things? She mentioned pride, greed, lust, self, self, big one. All of these are actually self. <laughs> How you think you look to other people? Trying to always get something from another person? Trying to always be on top? The last shall be made first? Right? Wanting a claim? Why are you doing the things you're doing? Why am I doing the things I'm doing? Why do I do them? We need to all look at our motivations. You know? We need to give up control in certain areas to Jesus. And you know what? Nobody else here is here to call out what area you need to commit to the Lord. That's nobody else's job. If you're getting that from someone and that's bringing condemnation, that's from the pit of hell. The Holy Spirit convicts in a loving manner. Okay? So, when we come to the end of ourselves, in Christ, what happens? The supernatural shows up. You can't help it. You cannot help it. Because it is who he is. So, when you get you out of the way and allow him to be seen, He's true to his character. He never changes. He's not limited. You see? You see the point? Okay. But here, think about it this way. Before the resurrection of Christ, there had to be a crucifixion. There is no resurrection. There is no resurrection without crucifixion. But once there's crucifixion, there's a resurrection. Right? Now please, do not get into dogmatism. Do not get into legalism. Do not get into works. This is loving revelation because the Lord wants to pair the things out of our lives that are hurting us. Okay? So, we purify our hearts. We stand in the gospel we are ready to give an account for what we believe. And we act accordingly. As we stand in the gospel, in Christ, our faith in the reality of who he is, our faith in his faithfulness, in his love, our understanding of his power, causes faith to explode in our lives. It causes faith to burst forth in our lives. Right? Okay. 2 Timothy 2.19 Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. It will never be shaken. Sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. He knows you, beloved. 
if you are a believer, is there anyone in this room who is not a believer in Jesus Christ? Who has not taken Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Because I will pray with you right this moment, and then every single promise in the word becomes yours. So if there is anyone right now who wants to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, just raise your hand. Okay. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone, by the way, don't sit there and worry about whether you missed it. God's got your number. And you can come up and talk to me after church if you'd like. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Okay, now this is not going to be a downer day. It's all going to turn out great, so just like, Hold on and pay attention and don't tune out because we're talking about the things that we need to change in our lives. A good shepherd makes people aware of the things, including herself, that need to be changed in life. Okay? Otherwise, everyone can, you know, run amok. And we don't want that. Okay. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. So, you know, wickedness can be evil. It can be downright evil. But you know what else it can be? It can be neutrality. It can be coasting. It can be compromise. It doesn't have to be something that the whole world recognizes as horrid, terrible, disgusting, it can be neutrality. We don't want to be the Laodicean church. We don't want to be the lukewarm. We want to be the ones on fire, so willing to change at the smallest, smallest inkling, the smallest whisper of the Holy Spirit in our hearts pliable, yielded, willing. And let me tell you what, when you do this, you are going to face persecution. But you're also going to receive a crown. Indescribable crown. Beyond anything that you could have ever imagined here on this earth. Hallelujah. 20, verse 20. 2 Timothy 2, 20. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes, and some for common use. What do you all want to be? That's not pride, by the way. I want to be a special purpose for God in every single area of my life. Nothing held back. I don't want to just be a little special purpose in one little area. I'm not just a preacher. See? Y'all play more than one role in life. So we want to apply this to every role, every witness, everywhere we walk. Okay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those 
who cleanse themselves from the latter, the common use, will be, will be, will be. This is not a dark game. It's a guarantee. Absolute. It says right here, if you cleanse yourself from the latter, the common use, you will be instruments for special purposes. That's a promise of God. That's a promise of God. Made holy. So see there? How many of you have taught, you know, like coming up maybe in different religions and things, or not coming up in religion at all? I don't know. But you know how when you hear the word holy, you think, oh, I'm not good enough for that. Yes, you are. If God says it, it's so. You're right? It's how he's designed you. If none of us had ever lived in this sin-filled world, we would have never known any other consciousness than being holy before a holy God. I'm not a heretic. That's not blasphemy. Our job is to get rid of all the trash that has been fed into our minds and lodged into our spirits. Okay? Just think about just God in you. Just God in you. He created you to be holy before him. To be holy as he is holy. Big thoughts. True thoughts. Made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. So we must get rid of the commonality. We must get rid of worldly entanglements. And it is completely up to us. He gives us the option. He gives us the responsibility. Completely up to us to cleanse ourselves of the common. So everyone today should say to themselves, where is my compromise? Where is my neutrality? Okay, you're not allowed to sit here and think, yeah, but if my partner would do this differently, then I could get rid of the commonality. I just want to puke right now. No, it's you. It's you and God. It's you and God. You're not going to stand before God with your partner. And I am believing and knowing that every single one of you is going to get to be with your father and he's going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's how he sees you. He does not see you failing. The devil tries to tell you you are failing. God does not see failures. He sees beloved children of God. So this is an encouragement to you today because he's going to give us the grace to embrace all of his glory. That's how he sees you. He sees you totally accomplishing what he designed you to accomplish.
He's at the end of your road. And he's saying, sweetheart, you did it. You did it. Okay? So we're just going to work on purity while we're here so that we can be a blessing to as many people as possible. We're going to believe for the higher and the greater things of God. His ways are higher. His thoughts are greater. And that's, what, that's, that's where we're going to set our affections. We're going to set our affections on the heart of God, on the higher and the greater callings of God. Because he already sees you accomplishing them. He's already placed you there. So we must always strive for the higher things of God. Come up higher. How many times did he say that? Come up higher. Come up higher. I'm just sitting here waiting for you. Just come on in. Come on in to the very throne room of God. That's where you were meant to dwell. So we adjust our thinking. We adjust our hearts. And then... The actions just come in line. We don't have to focus on behavior, right? We focus on the heart. And then all that other stuff just falls in line and the yuck falls away, right? When we adjust our thinking, the manifestation of Jesus cannot help but come forth. It cannot help but come forth. So if, if there's an area in your life where you're struggling, you know, every, everybody has different areas. Do you know that's okay as long as you turn it over? So in any area where you're struggling, you just say, Lord, what in my heart needs to come in line with your heart? And he's so good and kind and gracious. He's not going to condemn you. His Holy Spirit will just come and help you. Right? So, we just look at our own heart and we look at the motivations. Verse 22, 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. That's why the Lord has told us over this time we are going to be training ourselves up in righteousness. That's a positive thing. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We are purifying our hearts. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. Okay? So you're kind, but you're strong. You're kind, but you don't put up with any garbage. If it's against the word, it's against the word. But you can do that kindly, right? Be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. See, that's the power of love. That's the power of God's love moving through you. When it says all that, kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful, the love of God flowing through you, will just that, that's what's going to happen. And you'll be able to speak the gospel in love. Okay? Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. Repentance is a great, wonderful thing. It brings healing. And that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil. Don't you want every, you yourself included, don't you want everyone to escape the traps of the devil? 
Okay, so be honest in the gospel. Stand for Jesus. Sometimes that's really hard, especially when you have kids or peers, fellow students that aren't living for the Lord. And you want so much in your heart for them to know the love of God. Okay? So here, can I look at this word opponent? See this word opponent? Well, when you look at that scripture right there, that word opponent obviously is talking about opponents of the word. So that's people, right? But we know it's the spirit motivating the person, okay? So anyway, so we can look at that on the surface and we can say, okay, that's people. But where else can we look? We can take this word opponent and we can know that it's talking about other people, but then we can also take it and we can find the opponents in our own lives. We all have opponents in our own lives that speak out against the gospel, right? Where it doesn't, you know, whatever that is, whatever that opponent is, pride, self, you know, you can think of whatever that is. And it, and it, it wants to... Um, cause us to remain in self. Right? So any opponent, it can be any opponent in our own emotions, in our own will that stands against the will of God. Okay? So when we recognize those opponents and when we get the full revelation of Jesus and allow that to flood and change, then we walk We'll walk in repentance, and we will come into victory. Right? Do you see that? We will, like it says right here, escape the snare of the devil. That's, what we're, that's, that's our goal. That's where we're moving. Who has taken them captive to do his will? See, we're not going to do his will. We're not going to do the devil's will. We're going to be the person that accomplishes this and is a lifeline, is a life giver, is a Jesus glorifier, okay? So, Paul, through this Second Timothy, gives us a bunch of pointers. So we're going to study these little pointers, okay? All right? See, because we are going to encounter difficulty. We are going to encounter hardship, especially in these end times. It is so crucial in the end times that we do not waver. It's always been crucial, but to those who much is given, much is required. Whether you all like it or not, you have been given much, and much is required. You are required to perhaps walk I shouldn't say a stricter standard because everyone has the same the same bible right but you know and you need to walk particularly okay all right he is faithful to the faithful psalm 18 so paul says in matters of the world we must choose to please god that means crucifixion of the flesh. We're going to get persecution from the world. 2 Timothy 2.3. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That's you. 
You are called to walk with Christ as a good soldier. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. Civilian affairs can look very innocent. You can even have maybe a good motivation, like you might see a good outcome. If it is a civilian affair, it says right here, I'm not saying it, don't get mad at the messenger. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So we only want to do what is God-honoring. In Romans 3, the 8th verse, it says, well, actually, let me go there because I didn't write it down. It says, actually, you know what? I'm going to go all the way back to verse something, 5. I'm in Romans 3, verse 5. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath? No. Absolutely not. I am using a human argument. See, that's how the world thinks. And he's saying, watch it. Be careful. Change. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Right? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness, and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Well, because it was wrong. That's why. <laughs> there is no such thing as a white lie. Any falsity, any falsity, that's not even just lying. Right? People can be false. Why not say as we are being slanderously reported as saying, and as some claim that we say, so you see he's saying this is not true, you see that? Let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is deserved. There is never a time where neutrality, where compromise, because it just doesn't have to be wicked evil, It's a slippery slope, beloved. Y'all think I'm being too hard today? Good, because I do this in love. And I'm going to be so bold to say that only those who love the Lord will receive it with gladness. Shall we do evil that good may result? No, 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 no. Anywhere that you choose to compromise, to get involved in worldly affairs, even if you think it's going to do good in the end, he's already told us it's a wrong choice. You better run as fast as you can run because it will lead to compromise in other areas of your life. 
and in that particular area of your life, it will lead to even further destruction more quickly because it's a choice you're making. Whoa, I didn't mean to be this stern. <laughs> it's really not me. I just think it's, I really do believe it's the Holy Spirit talking to somebody. Each of us can find areas in our own life where we have gotten involved with the things of the world that are not honoring God. They're, they may not be noticeably condemning him, but they aren't honoring him. Where we could be using that time and that effort to do something that is God-honoring. See that? That is praiseworthy. What does it say in Philippians? Only the things that are praiseworthy. Only the things that are excellent. Only the things. You see, we praise God with everything we do, or we don't praise him with everything we do. Rather than involving ourselves in secular entanglements, we must, Timothy, or Paul goes on, he says you have to compete by the rules. 2 Timothy 2.5. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. So if you are in an area of compromise, if you are entangled in secular entanglements, it's not competing by the rules. It's not competing by the gospel. If you want a reward, do it the way the gospel says to do it. A little yeast in error infiltrates the whole batch. Galatians 5.9 A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. So there Paul was actually talking about circumcision, circumcision and legalism and all that stuff, but you can take it and apply it to your own lives, right? A plowman, one who puts in the work, in other words, one who perseveres, gets the fruit of his crop. Now, I've always looked at this in a really positive way. 2 Timothy 2.6, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crop. In the Aramaic, it says, it is fitting for the plowman who toils that he first be sustained by his crop, okay? You will be sustained by the crop that you plant. Well, I've always looked at this in a really positive way. In other words, you're working, you're persevering, you're doing, you know, you're about the Lord's business. You're going to get a great crop. You're going to plant good seed and you're going to get a good crop. Well, what if you're planting bad seed? <laughs> I mean, really, think about it. Entanglement in secular things, right? Okay, so it, it's, it's going to work both ways, because seed time and harvest work both ways. Good seed, good crop, not good seed, not good crop. See, I don't want to harvest a bunch of yuck in my life. We get the reward of our labor, certainly. God blesses, right? He gives us abundant harvest. His heart is to bless us. But we need to pay attention to what we're planning. Even if you suffer evil for standing with God, if you suffer evil for standing with God, and you encounter worldly chains, things where the world will come against you, right? That happens, right? Right? Okay, am I, am I talking to people today? Okay. 
So if you suffer evil for standing for God and you encounter worldly chains, what does it say? It says the word of God is never chained. The word of God is never chained. The word of God will not be bound. The word of God will not fail to produce what it says. The word of God will set you free. The word of God will release the captive. The word of God produces freedom. The word of God, the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. 2 Timothy 2.8. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. We all know all the suffering that Paul went through, don't we? Okay, I'm not going to go through all that. But God's word is not chained. I walk in the word, I walk in freedom. I walk in the word, I walk free from bondage. I walk in his word, I apply his word. I don't just hear his word. I look at what I'm doing in my practical life every day, and I say, is this a secular entanglement? Is this God-honoring? Is this praising my Lord? Is this the heart of God that I be doing this thing? You see, when we walk in the word, the power of God prevails. It shows forth a seed producing after itself. Okay? When we walk in the Spirit, the flesh has no hold, and the Holy Spirit is always talking to you. You're going to feel in there, there's a churning, you, you know, and at the moment you acknowledge it, your victory's been won. Then you just got to walk it out. You got to take what the Holy Spirit's spoken to you and you do it. You make adjustments. Galatians 5.16 and then verses 24 and 25. So I say, walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Hallelujah. God's glory is revealed by the power of the Holy Spirit in your lives. We believe in the reality of Jesus. We believe in what the resurrection accomplished. We believe in who he is. We seek after his character in our lives. We see the power. Period. You will see the power. His crucifixion, our crucifixion, his resurrection, our resurrection. Into what? Into his love, dominion, power, authority. Overcoming power. Changed. By the heart of God. John 11. This was at the raising of Lazarus. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe? Now, we all know the whole story. They, they knew Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. See? They didn't understand the resurrection. See? 
That's what he means here. If you believe, if you embrace what the resurrection did, if you embrace what it has accomplished in you as a born-again believer. Does that make sense? Okay. You will see the glory of God. Oh, Lord, just show me everywhere where I have become neutral, compromised, entangled in civilian affairs. You will see the glory of God. The full manifestation of Jesus, just like him walking on the earth today. Because you have the Holy Spirit. And you know, I never looked at this this way. I always thought, well, Jesus said, take away the stone so that, you know, he could, so that the truth would come forth, which that's true, that's awesome, that's great. But it says, you will see the glory of God. So they took the stone away. Every hindrance removed. Take the stone away. Every hindrance removed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I love that. When we choose to embrace Christ in every area, the stone is removed. The hindrances are gone. Praise you, Lord. So, we endure so that others may find life in Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.10 Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Hallelujah. We suffer with him, we reign with him. We die with him, we live with him so that others can be brought to the revelation of his life and indestructibility and freedom and glory. You have a holy calling. 2 Timothy 2.11 Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. So, hard times will come in these last days, beloved. And you are going to stand. You shall not be defeated. You shall not become entangled in the things of the world. It may look good on the surface. If it is not of God, it is not good. Is this all too theoretical for you? Okay, I hope not. Because y'all are smart. You know how to apply this to your lives, don't you? All right. 2 Timothy 3.1 But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. See, we stand on the rock, the rock of our salvation. Salvation is more than just salvation of our souls. It's everything. Nothing missing, nothing broken. 
we stand fast on the rock so that we are not moved by fear. In these last times, there's going to be a lot of fear floating out there. You're not going to engage in it. You're not going to speak it. You're not going to think it. You're going to go to the rock. You're going to go to the rock. We endure like good soldiers. We keep our eyes singly on Christ, holding fast to the gospel and our testimony of the truth. I will not be moved. And God will vindicate you. The scripture says he honors those who honor him. 2 Timothy 3.10 You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance. Persecutions? Sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. I have a long way to go, guys. The Lord rescued me from all of them. We serve a faithful God. God will deliver us. God will deliver you from every persecution, from every suffering, when we hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing wavering. God will, tr the scripture actually says, God will trouble those who trouble you. Okay, now don't get haughty and say, oh good, I'm glad. That's an impure heart. It is, right? See, we just love and turn it over. We just love and turn it over. God is the one who vindicates. You're not even smart enough to try to vindicate. If you tried to vindicate yourself, you're just going to get yourself in a big old monkey, miry mess. And then the devil's just going to have a whole bunch more little entanglements to use against you, and to try to get you all webbed down. That's what's going to happen when you try to do it yourself. We love and leave. Galatians 5.10 You are running well. You were running well. Who agitated you to disobey the truth? Your persuasion is not from him who has called you. See, anywhere where we get out of line with the word. What agitated you? What caused you? It, shouldn't, it, it, it wasn't the truth. It wasn't anything that's really going to help you. It's little whispering lies. Don't get entangled, please. It says your persuasion is not from him who called you. A little leaven ferments the entire lump. So stay with Jesus with Jesus. I do trust in you by our Lord that you will not entertain other things and whoever troubles you will bear judgment whoever he is. 
Is that convincing enough for you just to let God handle it? To stand, love, and let God handle it. When others abandon you, the Lord will stand with you. (coughs) 2 Timothy 4. And my first defense, no one came to my support. You will probably have to stand alone sometimes. All the greater. Because when you're standing alone, the Lord's just feeding you, feeding you, feeding you, talking to you, and nothing else gets in between you and him. (laughs) That's a good place to be. At my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. How do you think Jesus felt in the garden when they couldn't even stay awake? See that? What a sweet thing to say, may it not be held against them. Forgiveness, that's purity, that's holiness. Forgiveness is purity, it is holiness. But, The Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. He honors those who honor him. So that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. You have a holy calling. You have a purpose. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. 2 Timothy 4.18 And will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. We are concerned that others hear the gospel. What better way than to be a pure example? with no compromise anywhere in our lives. What better way? Hallelujah. Because when people see Christ exemplified in your life, they can't help but run to him. Okay? He who turns a sinner to Christ gives life to his soul, does a good thing. And we do that by our everyday actions. It's not just what you speak. It's who you are. It's how you act. It's the things you become involved in that you say, oh, this is okay. James 5.20. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. See, we want to be that whoever right there. That's who we want to be. We want to be that whoever. God is our protector. He is our deliverer. 2 Timothy 4.18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So we abide in what we have learned. We abide in what the revelation of Jesus that we get out of the gospel. 2 Timothy 3.14 But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of. See why it's so important that we actually get revelation? That we know who Christ is, who he is in us, and who we are in him. We are hidden in Christ. See that? We just want to be hidden in Christ so the world doesn't see anything else. So we're going to make choices in our everyday lives that accomplish that. That bring purity and holiness. 
Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise. See, I want to be wise. You want to be wise. I know you do. The scriptures make you wise. Who make you wise for salvation, and that's in every area of life. That's your soul salvation. It's healing. It's provision. It's all sorts of things. Emotional stability through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture. Do you know, if you just stand on the word, you will never be on a roller coaster? Because the word doesn't change. So if we just say, this is Jesus, this is the word, this is my foundation, see, it never changes. You won't be, on, you won't be an emotional roller coaster. Troubles might come, but you won't react out of an emotional state. You'll react from the word of God, which is the firm foundation that we have. So we're not going to do this. Amen. Did I read 2 Timothy? That's where I was, right? I was in 2 Timothy 3.14, and now I'm in 15. Oh, now I'm in 16. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's what we want. <laughs> so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Hallelujah, that's you, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the Aramaic it says, But you should abide in those things that you have learned and of which you are assured, for you know from whom you have learned them. And because from your childhood you were taught the holy scrolls, which can make you wise. This is the whole reason I'm reading this particular translation. It says, It will make you wise, unto the life in the faith of Yeshua the Messiah. You receive life by faith in Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. The firm foundation, the immovable rock, the indestructible word, the incorruptible seed, faith in him, not yourself, and him alone. Wise unto the life in faith in Yeshua the Messiah. Every writing which is written by the Spirit is profitable for teaching, for correction, for direction, and for a course in righteousness that the man of God, get this, this is the second reason I like this scripture. I said there was only one, but there are two. That the man of God will be perfect and perfected for every good work. As we train ourselves in righteousness, as we purify our hearts, as we live the holy life to which he has called us, believe it or not, he calls you perfect. He calls you perfect and perfected. That's good news to me. That's really good news to me because on a day, on almost every day, I see somewhere that I'm not perfect. 
multiple days that I see that I am not perfect or perfected. And my Lord God has such a loving and kind and gracious and teaching heart for me with patience and all long-suffering that he says to me that I am perfect. Oh, how could I ever thank him enough? How could I ever thank him for the cleansing that that brings to my soul? You see that? It's not of our own works. It's of his grace and through his blood that he sees us. I am so thankful that he sees you that way, that he sees me that way. We are perfected. We are perfect for every good work. Do you know he calls you perfect for every good work? He has designed you with a holy calling. He sees you accomplishing it. Hallelujah. So what happens when we walk this way? We receive the crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me, for you, a crown, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will, will, will award to me, put your name there, on that day, and not only me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. We long for his appearing, yes, physically, on that day when we all get to be with him at the rapture and spend eternity with him. But we long for his appearing here. Here. We long for his appearing in us. And you will receive a crown of righteousness from your faithful Father who loves you in a way that you will never fully comprehend until you are with him in heaven. But we are working to understand it, aren't we? By his grace, his mercy, and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We will walk <coughs> in all the fullness and the power of Jesus Christ. So, that's what the Lord had me say to you today. We're going to receive communion. We have open communion in this church for all who have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And as for tithe, if you don't have elements, go ahead and raise your hand and people will, will bring those to you. <coughs> but as for tithe, I just want to say, grow in the grace of giving. Let's actually go to... 2 Corinthians 